Your mom told you all the stories. Did she read you the Odyssey? The graphic novel. It counts. Odysseus lands on a beach. There's these guys who've forgotten where they came from, forgot everything that was important to them. And they got that way because they ate the lotus flowers. If we go in there and then forget everything, that would be bad on a number of levels. But if Hermes is in there, though, then what choice do we have? What do you think, wise girl? Just don't eat anything. Wait, why were you looking at me when you said that? All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to the Percy Jackson Prophecy. It's a podcast dedicated to the Percy Jackson book, series, and show on Disney+. So let's hold fast and brave the storm. your host Reese. Yes, and I'm your other host, Mary Larson. We wanted to switch things up a little bit for this, the sixth episode, to see how Reese could do with the intro. Reese, I want to give you a high five, man, across the studio. Well done, well done. You know, it's not every day that you have a 10-year-old hosting a major podcast, and we are just so excited. Here we are now in the back half. So if you think about it, buddy, episodes one through four were the first half. Episodes five through eight are in the back half. We only have two episodes left for season one of oh, Percy Jackson. Man. How do you feel about that? That is shocking. That is so shocking. So sad. But listeners, don't worry because Blake, uh, Reese, Blake, who is Reese's dad, who you're going to hear from in a moment, and I have talked about how we're going to actually go through the book after the, the TV series season one has wrapped up. But what if there's a season two coming up next? We haven't gotten the official go yet. But I know. I know that that is what the author wants. I know that that's what this cast wants. We haven't had an official notification news about season two being greenlit yet. So cross your fingers because you want to know the other problem. They have to hurry up and start recording if they do want season two because these actors are getting older and older each day. Now, Reese, you wanted to share something else, right? So we we also wanted to remind our listeners that this podcast show covering season one of Percy Jackson's series is spoiler free. Yes, I have read the book and many books in the series, but my mom hasn't read them. Nope. So, if you know someone who hasn't read the stories, this podcast is a safe one I listen to. Yeah. If, if I were you. Yeah, and you know, I think this is important. There's a lot of Percy Jackson podcasts out there. Obviously, the book series has been around for a very long time, but... There are spoilers in those episodes for the most part, so I want to make sure that our listeners know that this this podcast right now covering season one of the show is spoiler free, so it is safe if you haven't read this book or honestly all of the other books because a lot of the podcasts out there... Um, you know, the books have been around for quite some time. So they they are spoilerific. And we wanted to make sure that this show covering this season is spoiler free. Well, on that note, let's it get is into time. the show. Yeah. All right, we're going to break on down some of the details of this episode. So what have you got for me, Reese? The episode title of episode six is, as is the chapter... 
we take a zebra to Vegas. So that's actually a name of a chapter in the book as well? Yeah. Where is the zebra, right? <laughs> I did not see a lot of zebra action. I agree. And uh, what's the? what else can you tell me about this episode? So, and a short summary is that in this episode, Percy, Andrew, and Grover must resist the alluring draw of a casino that feels outside of time. That's right. So they go to the Lotus Casino. As we know the myth. And they lose the time. We got to hear a bit of that myth um, about eating the lotus flowers. And they changed it for this, though, of course, is that they don't have to eat them. It's actually being pumped through the air. So even though our heroes knew not to eat anything, sadly, did they do lose track of time. They do miss the summer solstice. Crazy things happen. Now, there's a bit more into this episode than we just visually see with our eyes. There's a lot of things that a lot of people that made this episode possible. Right, buddy? Yep. And next up. It's time for my dad, Blake Larson, to share interesting details about this episode. For those of you who don't know, my mom and dad run Mary and Blake Media. They do a bunch of podcasts. We do a lot. <laughs> a lot, I cannot count, covering other fun series like Harry Potter, The Book, Richardson, and Outlander. So if you want to watch these, but you can find all this more at Merriam Blake dot com. That's right, buddy. So that, uh, as Reese just said, we cover a lot of other butter, a lot of other series. So if you are a fan of Outlander, Game of Thrones, Bridgerton, Harry Potter, if you know of other people who enjoy et that cetera, kind of stuff, et cetera, et cetera. yeah, you could go to maryandblake.com. Now it is time for Dad's details. Take away, Dad. Thank you, Reese. And I just want to say, you know, for having only been a podcast host now for this is now what your sixth episode. You're doing pretty darn good, kiddo. Thanks, Dad. I'm, I'm going to throw that out there. Not Should a lot of 10-year-olds can, can do what you're doing right now. Should I so. take that as a compliment? Absolutely. Yes. That's okay. what we're saying is that most 10-year-olds can't co-host a podcast the way that you do, buddy. Not an insult to any 10-year-olds that are listening. No, no, of no. course not. So this episode was written once again by Jonathan E. Steinberg, the uh, showrunner for Percy Jackson and the Olympians. And... Uh, it was also written by Joe Tratch, who you should know that name by now if you have listened to this podcast already. He wrote the other episode, I Plunge to My Death. You know, that one with that featured yeah. the, the arch in St. Louis. And the chimera and Echidna smashing up the arch. Yeah. Correct. Can't correct. forget that one. And it was directed by Jet Wilkinson. You should know that name also because she directed the last episode. What a cool name, Jet. I know. Jet Wilkinson. Like, yeah. I, I, if she wasn't a director, I feel like she should be a, a rock star, a, or like, yeah, or like a really high end TV host. Ooh. Next up, Jet Wilkinson. Yes, exactly. Thanks, right? Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, she directed the last episode. A God buys us cheeseburgers. Now. For dad's details also, one of the things that I like to do is I like to talk about some of the craft work that goes into this episode. And there are two things that I want to mention. First, I have to give it to Lin-Manuel Miranda, the mm. guy who plays Hermes. Now, for those of you who are Marion Blake Media fans, you know that we love Hamilton. And he was the creator and writer uh, of Hamilton. And he also played Alexander Hamilton himself. Uh and I, I have to mention that a lot of times shows will do something that's called stunt casting, meaning they'll take somebody that's really famous, that really has nothing to do with 
uh, a role or what they're trying to accomplish. They just want somebody famous so they get that jolt of uh, popularity, right? Just to say, hey, we had this person in our show. I will say that when I saw that Lin-Manuel Miranda was cast as Hermes, it felt a little bit like stunt casting. But when I watched it, he brought a level of nuance and gravitas to the role that I did not expect. You know, I think a lot of us, you know, Mary and I, we joke that like when you cast Lin-Manuel um, Miranda, you you have to feature singing and dancing at some point in there whatever actually, you're doing. There actually is dancing in this episode, kind of. But where? Um, it was really quick, but I saw some people dancing. Oh, okay. okay. Fair enough. But it wasn't Lin-Manuel Miranda, oh, nor was man. there singing. No. And you and know what, what Dad's talking about is that remember how I kept saying, "Oh, we we know this actor's coming." Yeah, I was expecting there to be a musical number. I've said it multiple times in this podcast, right, Bud? And yep. then at the end of the episode, I went, "There was no singing and dancing," so <laughs> I was confused for a moment. But Dad's saying why he thinks that actor still did actually a, a phenomenal job and surprised us as viewers, yeah. right? So I, it was it definitely subverted our expectations, mm-hmm. Mary. Uh, now, would it have been? a fun nod to have some sort of musical number like that would have been really cool. Like it would have been different. It would have been, uh, they would have been taking a chance, you know, it would have been a big swing. But on the other hand, now that I've watched it, I'm glad that they didn't because they just allowed Lynn to be him. And they allowed that him to, to be Hermes, to be a dad who is really struggling with being a dad and bringing that uh, to screen in a really powerful way. As a matter of fact, on our social media for Mary and Blake Media, I, I put out a whole uh, question: Which scene did you like better, the one with Medusa or the one with Hermes? Because, as you know, I loved the scene with Medusa, and this one kind of rivals it. Like it, it's that good. <laughs> I was surprised. Also, one other thing, too, I want to mention here that is often overlooked is editing. Uh, the editing in this episode was sporadic. Buddy, do you know what editing is? Uh, like changing it and mashing it up a bit? Correct. Yeah, it's when they take scenes and they put it together and they do jump cuts and they it's like when it's like if you were to take uh, this podcast, as a matter of fact, and if I were to take some of the words out that you said and put them somewhere else or move things, that's what's called editing. Wow. And the editing in this episode is very jumpy. It is sporadic. It is, uh, it is powerful. Uh, and it is forceful. Uh, meaning, like, they, they, make no, <laughs> they make no bones about jumping from scene to scene. And, and in many cases, I would say that's bad. Because it takes you out of the out of the show or out of the film, but in this case, I think it really makes sense, Mary and Reese, because being at the Lotus Casino, the whole thing is disorienting. Mm. The whole thing is a mess, and you are right there with the characters jumping back and forth, and then, like for example, going being in the car and having that really funny bit at the end when they're trying to get out of the garage. Yes, and then all of a sudden, there's they, they look like they're about to get hit by a car. And out of nowhere, they're at the beach, right? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think that is fantastic stuff because it's disorienting and it it helps tell the story in a different way other than just being like, okay, here we are, folks. We're going to go do this now. It 
it brings you into it. It helped us feel the chaos Correct. that Correct. the trio was going through. And that's through. what good editing does. It helps you feel whatever the story is trying to convey. I love it. Well, thanks, Blake. You're welcome. So, now it's time for our Trident rating. We rate our each episode on a scale of one to five. One being the absolute worst, like being... Well, just like forgetting like being everything. stuck in the Lotus Casino yeah, and for forgetting years. everything. And five being the absolute best, playing the game of your dreams in a VR oh, section. Like how Grover would have felt had he actually found Pan in that game, and right? And that's what we're going to get into soon. <laughs> so now, so our Trident rating. Okay. So what is your Trident rating, Mom? My Trident score for episode six is a 4.8. Eight, still very high, just a smidge lower than the last episode, uh, just for a couple of things. But I mean, it's like hairlined things that are keeping it from that perfect five. I really, really enjoyed it. We've now watched this episode, I think, three times, buddy. How about you? What did you rate this episode? The, another 4.8. We matched. Look at but, us, we're twins. But the thing that got subtracted to, I want to give this a five. The subtract to is that war came way too quick. What is What came way too quick? The war. Oh. Like, <laughs> summer solstice. What? What, 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 what? No, no, So no. can I take it? Remember, this is a spoiler-free episode, but do they not miss the summer solstice in the book? Um, They don't miss it. Oh, so this it's was a big change. It's only one day change. earlier. Okay, so this is a big change for you as a book reader. So for us to have missed the summer solstice completely has made you nervous for our trio. All right, and then it's our GPGs, our goods, our bads, and our greats. And I love to have listeners know that you can actually call in and share your GPGs on each episode. My good for this episode was the taxi driving scene that your dad was just talking about earlier, Reese. Um, I laughed. I laughed so much. You, of course, are 10 years old, so you have not yet had your learner's permit. You haven't really, you know, aside from when we go to amusement parks and you get to drive those cars at the amusement parks. And those are way too simple. Yeah. And Percy doesn't have his thing either, but he did actually a pretty good start. He did a pretty good job for being a 12-year-old. It was so fun to watch. I remembered feeling that nervous when I first got behind the, the car when I was 16. My mom gave me the keys to a minivan and I almost ran into a stone wall. There's lots <laughs> of stone walls here in Rhode Island. We live in New England, which is a very old place in our country and there's a lot of old buildings and old walls and a ton of stone walls and I honestly almost drove just you know how Percy scraped the edge of the wall I almost did that against a stone wall and I felt just like how Percy did my bad for this episode is I feel like this show sometimes feels like it has to tell us things rather than letting us see it um, or having the characters figure things out on their own for example the passing of time I would have loved to have maybe seen a clock or a newspaper saying the date saying oh summer's a Officially we saw, here. We saw um, Hermes' thing, but he only said like that. Hermes, Hermes just, yeah, like moved his hand. He, of course, Reese, like you said, he had a watch on his hand, but it didn't say anything to us visually to show us as the viewers that time has passed. And I get that that's what the Lotus Casino was doing. And honestly, that's what casinos do in general. They make you not know what time it is, what day it is. That is their goal to have you staying there and playing and honestly spending as much money as you possibly can. But to me, I just felt like when personally, Percy came downstairs and said, oh, Hermes told me that the summer solstice passed and we've been here for a couple of days. It was fine. I understand. It felt rushed. But I would have liked to have seen some kind of a visual reminder or been with them as they figured that out. And then my great for this episode was Hermes talking about 
why it's actually hard for him sometimes to be a God. And it reminded me of how it's sometimes hard to be a parent. He talked about how it's hard to feel powerless and you can't always help save your kids. And it makes me think, buddy, back to the first time that you were bleeding and daddy remembers this, you fell and you like cut your lip. And if you've never seen someone with a cut lip, lips bleed a lot. Everything on your face bleeds a lot. And you were bleeding and you were crying and I started crying and I felt so helpless. I couldn't fix it. You can't even put a Band-Aid on a lip. And it, it got better. It got fine. We put the wet face cloth and some ice and you were <laughs> fine. But I felt so powerless. And so when Hermes said that, I thought, well, I'm not a god. I'm not an Olympian. But I know what he's talking about. What was your GBG for this episode, Reese? So my good. It was just so funny how they just kept forgetting things. It was just so ridiculous. And then the person just said a really funny quote. It was like, and he says, and it says, Grover. And the and person's like, who's Grover? <laughs> and <laughs> yes. then um, points out, and Anna points out that cider. And the person's like, oh, yeah, Grover. Yeah, time really passed. Grover got really old. <laughs> I'm like, God, what? That's not even Grover. But he didn't know he forgot him that much and that he's just like, wow, my, my friend got really, really old. What was and your bad? Time passes way too quickly. I'm like, what the heck? And Sarah Solstice is gone. How will they complete their quest? That's my question. So, and this, like I was saying earlier, buddy, because you're a book reader and this is a change. And mind you, on sh- Daddy and I say this all the time. Blake and I say this all the time. The show is the show and the book is the book. We want the show to be its own experience. So for me, as a show watcher, I don't know that in the books they had the summer solstice, that they didn't miss it until you said it. You said this is something that's different. Now, remember, the author is a part of this team. So he's saying this choice is okay. We're going to we're going to figure things out. But for you Reese, you were not expecting so much time to have happened and for them now to not be able to complete their quest, which is quite the bummer because they they've already made it to Nevada and what are they going to do now? And what's your great? Um the funny part where Grover's like doing that game or searching for Pan and then Percy takes off the goggles or something like that mm-hmm. and he's like I was so close. <laughs> Do you understand how that feels? Yes, I've had that done to me. And and you know what I liked is when Percy did that, he even said that. He said, I know, man, I hate when someone has to do that to me, too. I feel so bad because I hate pulling someone away from a video game. Well, uh, before we get into our analysis for this episode... We actually have Blake back in the studio for, he wants to share his mere mortal theory of the week. Now, I share my mere mortal theory of the week at the end of the episode, as you know, Reese. And the mere mortal theory of the week is just that, that we are mere mortals. We have not read the books, but Blake, he came running in. He came running in, waving his hands. So. <laughs> okay. Blake, share right. it with us. What is your mere mortal theory I had, of the week? I, ha- I had to do this because... It actually goes back to what I said about editing. And this is why I came running back in because I was thinking about it. (laughs) And it's really important. So one of the things that editors do is that they have these tricks that they play with you. Sometimes they give things away about the story without even you realizing it by certain placement of certain characters or certain placement of scenes. Uh, If you recall, we had... Uh, we had the scene, the dream sequence that uh, Percy undergoes. And it's this guy that's speaking with uh, a, a figure that is shaded by some, by some glass, right? 
and all you see is the shadow of this figure. Mm -hmm. And then later on, they call Luke. Like it's like the very next scene. They call Luke and they're like, hey, we think we know who did this. And the guys and Luke says, well, how do you know? And they say, oh, because X, Y, and Z. One of the things that I think that editors do, well, actually, I don't think I know, is that they will give you clues about certain reveals or whatever. And they do this with editing. And a lot of the, a lot of the times, something will happen where someone will say, who do you think is responsible for doing this? And then the next, the very next scene will feature the person who is responsible for doing it. But you don't know that because the story hasn't unfolded yet. But the editors are telling you, guess who Guess who did this? And the way that I see it is the editors are doing that for Percy Jackson in, in the Olympians in this series. Okay, so Percy has this, you're saying he has this dream. He has this dream and, they, and then they call and the next scene, it's, hey, we think we know who stole the Master Bolt. And they call Luke. To tell him about Clarice. To tell him about Clarice. And he's like, well, how do you know it's Clarice? And I forget what the reasoning was. But my mere mortal theory of the week is that it's not Clarice, it's Luke. And the reason why I say that it's Luke is because... Of this editing This move. editing trick. Okay. So that is my theory. And the way that he, the way that he's like, well, how do you know? It, it was just a little shady. It was a little <laughs> shady. Uh, you put all these things together, and to me... Luke is the one that stole the master bolt to me. Very interesting. Oh, so that's what we see after after each like mortal theory, Reese. We say interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast and humoring me with my mortal theory of the week this early in the show. Oh, well, we are Thank glad you, to do Dad. that. All right, buddy. Time for some analysis. Let's kick things off. Like Dad was talking about, he was talking about the that dream sequence which for those of you who didn't realize it is the same person the same lighting and the same room as the principal's office in yancey academy when at yancey academy way back episode one when percy was getting kicked out for the events that were happening there and mr brunner who we learn end up ends up being chiron is there but it is the same principal it is the same principal same lighting i can't even handle it and so this is his dream, and the person is talking to the real lightning thief. And, of course, um, you know, Percy wakes up, and he knows that this dream is really different. And, you know, Reese, Dad and I were covering the Harry Potter series, obviously, in our Potterverse podcast. And so I've been rereading a lot of The Order of the Phoenix a lot. You've been listening to it while we drive to school. <laughs> yeah. And I've been... I was, while I watched this episode, that next day, I reread the chapter when Harry Potter is inside Nagini the snake, inside the Ministry, um, the Ministry of Magic, and he sees it through Nagini's eyes. Like, and he knows, he knows that it's different, right? He, he says to, uh, he says to Ron and to everybody, this was different. And after that, of course, he has to start having his occulumency lessons with Snape, and they really get concerned because it is different. It's not his normal dreams of being a separate person seeing what's going on, but he was seeing it through the eyes of Nagini. And I think that that's really interesting because Percy notices. He tells he tells Annabeth in the casino, he says, I've been having these vivid dreams, but this one is different, and I'm actually nervous that I am a seer. So... 
buddy, when you've been reading the series or as you've been going through all of your Greek myths, have you learned anything more about seers? Uh, or is it just what we heard I that know. it is? I a know person? what it is. So a person who could see the mist, as Annabeth explained, Luke's mom was a seer. And but like in general, what is a seer? Is it so it's a human who can see through the mist, kind of like a squib in Harry Potter, right? Yeah, like a person who's still a kind of wizard but does not do magic. Okay, so they're able to see some aspects of that world, but not fully be able to be a part of it. That kind of stinks. So the kids get into Vegas, and this was going to be my bad, because what's the title of this episode? We take a zebra to Vegas. We take a zebra to Vegas. Well, actually, they take a truck carrying all of these animals who are being smuggled, and Grover's able to chat with them. I love this. Remember in the beginning, I was saying, I think Grover's going to be able to talk to a lot of different animals? Yeah. So I'm really happy to see that he is. That was a fun little theory. Uh, But a zebra is not highlighted. We get to see a very little bit of a zebra butt running away, <laughs> but we got to see more of a camel and I ostrich. think a bear, an ostrich. So I kind of wish because of the title of this episode that actually a zebra had been one of the main animals that we got to see just so we could have that nice tie in. But who knows? Maybe a zebra would be harder to, to put on it. And it was funny how Percy was saying to Grover, oh, this looks a little dangerous. And what does Grover say? The, the, it'll be all right. I gave them a satyr's blessing. And Percy well, says, I'm not talking about the animals. I'm nervous for the for the people. The kid, there's a kid like feeding one of the animals outside of his window. It's too funny. So they go into the casino. And you and I were talking earlier about the difference between a casino and an arcade. We've gone to some arcades before in the past. So casinos, for those of you who are younger listeners who may not know, casinos are uh, adult-based entertainment places where they get to play various games, a lot of card games. And honestly, the main goal is for the casino to make money off of you. It's to hopefully have you lose at these games so that you keep paying. Uh, people, so a lot of people do enjoy going and playing these games knowing that they may or may not win big. Some people are very hopeful that they're going to win big. But the casinos want people to stay. They want them to play. And they want them to pay. So in real casinos, not just in the mist, they have different lighting. They keep clocks off the windows, off the walls. They don't have clocks. They actually often pump oxygen into the buildings to keep people feeling more awake, more happy, less drowsy. They'll bring food and snacks and drinks to you if you're sitting down playing because the goal in real life casinos is to have you play and pay some more. So I love that the Lotus Casino does this and they pump the lotus flowers through because the trio really, they were very close. None of them ate, right? Yeah, they they did not even eat, and that actually is pretty cool. I didn't, I just did not know that until you mentioned that, and that really ties through. Yeah, do you want to tell me a little bit more about the story of the lotus flowers that Grover we played in the beginning of this episode? Since since you know so much about Greek myths, um, I know this myth, and it's part of the Odyssey. Yes, he is halfway through his journey home, and then he lands on this really random island looking for some food. He sends two of his soldiers out to find some food, and they never came back. And it took them a... It, it, they were not back for a day. And then uh, Odysseus like, I'm going to go find my men. And then he looks in the center of the woods. He sees his two men with these random... With these people, and they're like sitting down eating lotus flowers. And Odysseus is like, 
guys, we got to go back to the ship. It's time to go home. And these guys are like, no, we want to stay. We want to stay. And then this guy, this old guy says, no, you stay too. And then he just shoves this lotus flower in Odysseus's mouth. But Odysseus resists the, the temptation and drags his two men by the ear back to their ship. Nice. And all kind of squabbles and they get out of the way. Good, but it's the lotus flowers that kept them there, and it was important for us to hear that they forget their quest. They forget who their friends are, and we get to see that in action here in the show. We also, as we're walking with Percy and Annabeth, we learn a bit about Luke's backstory. And I think this is important because I'm not the biggest Annabeth fan in the show. She's not super warm and fuzzy. I'm a Grover person, all right? If, if, if I had to say who I was in this trio, I'd be straight up Grover. Where are the snacks? Let me make some jokes. And I'll also be friends with all these people and these animals. Who do you think so, I am? Hmm, I think you're more of a Percy. <laughs> you, Actually, you are very really. wise but I find Annabeth she's she's very careful you could tell that she's gone through troubles in life that she's been um, wronged by people you know she told us about her dad choosing to not really be with her she then tells us about Luke's backstory and his mom being a seer and Luke blames Hermes for everything that happened so his mom went through some bad stuff and we also learned that Annabeth was there so we're talking very little Annabeth we're talking seven six years old Annabeth watching this fight between Luke and his dad Hermes and Hermes remembers Annabeth um they're walking through the it was really neat when they're walking through the with through the casino we saw loads of people in dresses a lot of people dressed up uh there were a lot of people at different ages I thought that that was very interesting generally casinos do not let children in so that you can already tell that this is a magical misty casino because there were kids all over the place uh playing the same games that parents and adults would be doing and, and then we see the satyr augustus we see augustus this older satyr and grover's like augustus remember me and augustus like just taking his bag looking shy and then he just pops the lowest flower in his mouth mm -hmm. it's like uh and he realizes augustus has probably been there for quite some time right and then um they and Augustus says, I found Pan. I've, I've almost got him. And Grover forgets because the lotus air pumping. Mm -hmm. And they go on this random stuff. And Grover goes through an arcade thing to just find Pan in the video game. I really enjoy this. I am so excited that show is taking time to build the character of Percy, of Annabeth, and of Grover. Because Grover, once again, is a 24-year-old satyr, even though he looks to be 12 years old. He has this big dream. He's talked about it almost every single episode, that he wants to be the satyr that finally finds Pan. Pan. And Pan, as we know, is the god of nature. And he's a satyr. It was a satyr. And when man came... Um, Pan disappeared. Pan disappeared. So you could think about like ever since man really came and we've been building buildings and taking down forests and ruining the Smashing oceans. And so and this is the way of mythology being able to talk about the essence of nature and trying to save nature. And this is Grover's ultimate quest. And so you could just feel his joy. And I loved when he was like, I, I was here with someone. And Augustus goes, you're here with me. <laughs> and off they go onto this game. Well, we're going to take just a quick moment to tell you about today's sponsor. D&D 
Adventure, Adventure Club, Club is a monthly subscription of Dungeons & Dragons adventures built for beginners. Amazing stories written and designed for kids, families, and anyone interested starting a game of D&D. A new adventure arrives in your mailbox each month. Streamlined rules, amazing design, and pre-built characters let anyone pick up the game and start telling stories today that's right so dnd adventure club has given our listeners a special discount code you go to dnd adventure club's website choose what you'd like and at the at checkout type in the word mary with the number 20 so m-a-r-y two zero and that is going to give you 20 percent off your purchase m-a-r-y two zero mary 20 at dnd adventure club and we just want to thank our friends at dnd adventure club we've been able to play some of these games together and we have absolutely loved it here in the Larson household. Okay, so we are hanging out. We we see Augustus and Grover go on their thing and instead um Percy and Annabeth find Hermes. Hermes. And this is a really interesting bit. I I was just telling you how all the adults were dressed up. They were dressed in gowns. They were dressed in suits. And Hermes, did you see what he was wearing? No. He was wearing just a basic tan sweatshirt. He was not affected. He was not dressed up. He was not affected by the Lotus thing. No, he definitely wasn't affected he by the Lotus thing. He knew who he was. He knew everything. Yes. And he uh, he's he brings the kids to his office. And in his office, did you see what was all over the walls? Greek stuff. Yeah. There was armor. There were helmets. All these really cool things. And he just talked to the kids very matter-of-factly. He doesn't talk down to them. I, I like that about all of the gods' interactions like Ares and Hephaestus. They're not being like, okay, little kids. All right, do you need a cookie? No, they're speaking to them. As if they're adults. As if they're adults. As if they have as much weight in this these issues as he does. And he talks about the importance of feeling powerless and that he is very sad about what happened to Luke and sad about what happened to Luke's mom. And he did this interesting thing where he talked about how it feels when, do you know what it feels like to be so close to someone you love, knowing neither of you has any choice but to keep hurting each other. And he leans forward and he puts his hand on Percy's hand and a very quick flashback, which is younger Percy in a car. Now, we haven't been shown that before. Remember when he did that? He touches Percy's hand, uh-huh. and then we see that flashback. And then he says he's going to do the same thing to Annabeth, and Annabeth pulls her hand away. She's like, no, thank you whatsoever. But this is when Hermes says he's not going to help them sneak into the underworld because he's done this before for people, and most people honestly end up dying, and it's very sad. So I feel bad for Hermes right now. He He's talking about how sad he is about what happened with Luke, that it's been terrible feeling powerless that you can't help your kids when times go rough for them and you can't do everything for them. And he has this really interesting ability that I didn't know Hermes had where he could touch their skin, the demigod's skin, and make them have a flashback and a memory of something. So we're going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see if they actually show us what they're talking about when Percy's in that car and he looks really sad. What do you think Hermes meant when he said it's very hard for God to feel powerless, I guess we're all just doing the best we can. I think that means even though we're gods, we can't do almost anything. We have limits to our power. Even though people might think we're unlimited power, we're not. We have certain, we have just specific control and 
we just can't we're just trying to do the best we can to help our families without even trying to interfere it's just it's hard for us to feel powerless but it's true um am i powerless sometimes is your mom no no actually okay yes yeah i'm sorry are you powerless as your as my son no i'm not powerless (laughs) are there days where i get hurt or bad things happen to me and you can't always fix it yes yes and are there days when you get hurt or get upset and i can't always fix it yes yeah and that's what hermes is talking about and i thought it really rang true for being a parent so say you have a bad day at school I can't be there at school with you. I can't take your tests. I can't solve issues between you and a friend or anything like that. And it's so hard. And when he, when Hermes said, I guess we're all just doing the best we can, that just felt so human. That, it felt God. so human and not God. We say it all the time in our family. We make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. I make mistakes. You make mistakes. And what do I say when we make a mistake? It's... We, we're doing the best we can. We do the best we can. We try not to make that same mistake again, right? We try yeah. to make it right and that it's okay because part of being human is making mistakes. So it's interesting for us to be hearing this from a God because I wouldn't have expected him to say that. I did like what he was saying. I exist between beyond space and time, kid. Why do you think they put me in charge of delivering the mail? So this is why he's probably immune to the Lotus Flower Casino, because he exists beyond space and time. Time does not affect him. He can do whatever he wants. During this conversation, he gets to tell Percy, that time has passed, that it feels like it's been 20 minutes, but actually days have gone outside. Um, They could say that it's dark outside, but that's really the only major difference. And thankfully, Annabeth stole the keys to Hermes' car. And what's on his keychain? A caduceus. God bless you. What did you just say? Caduceus. (laughs) What is a caduceus? The symbol of Hermes. And if if anyone is from the hospital, you know uh, what a caduceus is. It is a staff with wings on the top and two snakes wrapped around it. Very interesting. So um, if you, what's funny is we were actually at a, a diner this morning having breakfast and our little lass, your sister Felicity, who is a guest on our podcast, she saw this. She saw a caduce, caduceus, that's how you say it? A caduceus? Yeah. Um, on the back of someone's shirt. Felicity, you're here right now. What did you say? I said, look, the symbol of Hermes. So she was super excited. She thought that there was a representative of Hermes inside this diner, but it probably was actually someone who was in the field of health, who was in the medical field, as that too is the symbol uh, for medical field people. But if you do, you'll see that a lot. It's a staff, two snakes, and some kind of wings at the top of it. So they get to the car with that keychain with the caduceus and Hermes leaves a note to the The dumb kids (laughs) the dumb kids and in it he says once you drive this car you'll be travelers you'll be able to teleport wherever you want to go yep once you are on the road and that's the tricky thing they had to get out of the garage for the car to be able to bring them wherever they want to so Grover says I don't even remember who you guys are half the time I can't drive and Percy being brave says he will drive and he does a disastrous job. But he does it. He does it with a lot of scraping, a lot of stop and go. And crashing. The music in this part made me laugh so much. It kind of reminded me of um, 
the 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 theme of Darth Vader, Darth Vader's theme. It was just like this pulsing, tense kind of feeling to it. So once they get outside, however, they're about to be crashed by a truck because once again, Percy's not a great driver and probably didn't look both ways before entering the road. But luckily, the magic car takes them to Santa Monica where Percy gets out, goes into the ocean, hoping to meet his dad and alas, finds... A Nereid me- de- delivering a message that the war has already started. And once again, a Nereid is a a kind of sea nymph. Okay, and and they work with Poseidon. Yeah. Okay. Time has elapsed so quickly, and the summer solstice has elapsed. Um, his father waited as long as he can, but it's too late. He's gone to Marshall's forces. You can't talk to him right now. Yep, he's preparing for war, and. What I like that the Neria did is she told Percy that his father is very proud of him and that he wants Percy to return to camp. Now, why would why would Poseidon want Percy to go back to camp? He wants him to be safe. Mm-hmm. And Percy says no. Percy refuses, says that he's going to see the crest through because there's actually something else happening. He says, I have to keep going. And if you can help, then you must help. And this is a really neat character trait of Percy. Not stubborn. only... Yes, he's stubborn. But he actually, he inspires other people to do the right thing. He's inspiring this Nereid to help him out. Was she told by Poseidon to give him pearls and to let him continue on his quest? No, Poseidon said, tell my son I'm proud. Tell him to go back to camp. And instead, the Nereid says, you're so willful, just like him. There's so much of you in him. And she says, here are four pearls. Um, This will bring you back. And it's one for him. He says, hey, there's only three of us. There's a trio. And she says, go save the world. And then save your mother. I love it. I'm so excited. And that's, of course, where the episode ends. How do you feel about this Nereid moment? It was so dramatic. We actually got to see her face more. She came in really close. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. Um, so that you know when Percy's talking underwater and his eyes are kind of closed a little bit, they actually filmed that underwater. They had him go under the actor, and they had to give oxygen and tanks and teach him these kind of things. But they filmed his, his parts underwater, so it truly looked like that as he's swimming, which I think is just really neat. It's really brave. I don't know how comfortable I would be acting underwater for extended periods of time because he had to act like he's totally fine. He had to act like he could breathe and talk underwater when really he's just in a pool, glub, glub, glubbing away and taking a deep breath. And and doing a voiceover. Yes, and doing that voiceover. Exactly. So, all right. Well, I think we tackled the different myths in this episode. We had those musical moments one other thing that i wanted a little clarification on is iris so back when percy wakes up from his dream i know dad talked about this a little bit what exactly did annabeth do um she had this thing like a paradox what it looked like a prism can we call it a prism or is it fancier than that (laughs) um prism let's do it prism and grover putting light down to make the rainbow and she Anna says, toss the seaweed brain. He tosses a gold drama. And she says, oh, Iris, goddess of the rainbow. Um, goddess of the rainbow, Iris. And the whole ritual thing. Okay. Why can a rainbow act like a telephone? To the gods. if he, She's basically like, uh, I don't know. 
Hermes is the god of message, but Iris is the god of the rainbow. I think she can deliver messages through a rainbow if oh. it's possible, and you have a gold drama at hand. Is it kind of like flu powder? Yeah, you get to stick your head just through the flu powder. Uh-huh. Okay, once again, you're a wizard, Harry. The Thank Harry you. Potter friends, you're going to be hearing lots of Harry Potter references because that's where my brain is, and there's a lot of flu power head talking in Order the Phoenix, which I am deep involved in right now. So apologies if you're not. A Harry Potter fan, but Iris is the goddess of rainbow, and you can talk through her rainbow. So does that mean in camp, an, a rainbow was showing up in Chiron's office? Yeah. I don't, what is Luke doing in the guy's office? Okay, get out of there. You're supposed to be helping out. I feel so bad for Chiron right now. When he's Luke said he together. has, he's holding camp together with both hands. You know that Mr. D is probably doing nothing very much he's to drinking help. Drinking soda. Just drinking soda, causing ultimate chaos. The kids are in the camp are already choosing sides. It sounds like a very scary place to be. So I'm Actually, glad everyone, that Percy isn't Everyone, every cabin except Athena is on Poseidon's side. Really? Well, yeah. that's what you know from the books. But remember, the show can do things a little differently. Um, but in the books, you never know, man. Look how they look how they did this episode, right? So yeah. the show gets to act separately from the books, and that's why I think it's really exciting for non non book readers like myself, but also book readers like yourself, because they're taking a different spin. They're thinking things out a little bit. All right, it is time for our listener feedback. Kicking things off, as we often do, we're going to be starting with Felicity in studio. Now, Felicity is our eight-year-old daughter who watches the series along with us. She had a great idea. So if you are someone who likes to call in with your listener feedback that you can all do, she re- she requests that you also let us know who your godparent might be. Or so if you you're think. well-versed, yeah, if you're well-versed in your Greek mythology and you wanted to tell us if you think you could be a demigod and who your godparent would be, who would be? So Felicity, talking in Rhode Island, who is your godparent? I think my godparent is Athena because... I love arts and crafts, and I do arts and crafts all the time. Oh, and she is the goddess of arts and crafts? And kind of architecture, um, battle strategy, and kind of war. And lots of wisdom, right? Very cool. So, Felicity, share with us your GBG, your good, your bad, your great for this episode. So, my good is that they talk with Hermes. What did you like about their talk with Hermes? It's because they tried to convince him about Luke and the underworld, and they told him that they would help Luke, help him get Luke back to see his father better. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. What's your bad for the episode? My bad is that the war already started. What in the world? We missed it, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like super excited that I want to see Poseidon. Uh. And then I'm like, what? He's not going to show me Poseidon? (laughs) He's not going to be at the Santa Monica Pier. He's already fighting. This is crazy. And what is your great for this episode? My great is that Percy didn't give up to help the war because he really wants to help his dad. Oh, and he could. He could have easily just gone back to camp, right? His time's been he up. Give up. But he's he's ready to keep on going. Well, Felicity, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And here is our next voicemail. 
Hey, Mary and Reese. It's Ellen from Western Pennsylvania, longtime listener, Nerd Club member. My GBG for episode six is uh, my good is Lynn Manuel Miranda. My bad is the Lotus Casino. And my great is when Annabeth steals the keys to the car. Um, Reese, I want to just tell you that I think you're doing a fantastic job as a co-host. I love your enthusiasm and your knowledge of the books and um, your extensive knowledge of Greek mythology, um, which I have very little of. So it's really appreciated. I'm so glad that they have come out with a show that does the books justice. And I have to tell you that I look forward to your podcast every week. Your podcast is the icing on the cake. And I love that I've had to go back a couple times and rewatch the episode because you guys have caught things that I didn't even notice. So thanks a lot and keep up the great work. Oh, thank you so much, Ellen. That was so nice. And I love how she complimented you, Reese. I've heard that from a few people that who may have youngsters close to your age who really do think that you're doing a wonderful job. So as your parent, I am proud of you. But thank you, Ellen, for sharing that and for sharing your GVGs in this episode as well. I agree. Having Lin-Manuel Miranda on this episode was outstanding. So exciting. Even though he didn't sing and dance, I actually think that he captivated us in a very different way. Fun fact, he has a son who enjoys the Percy Jackson series. So actually, Rick Riordan and Lin-Manuel Miranda had actually talked before the show no. because Rick Riordan was like, oh, I'm a fan of yours. And <laughs> and uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda was like, I'm a fan of yours too. My kid loves your stories. So I think when Lin came into this, he saw it really as a dad because he has a son who enjoys this series. So I think it was a really different and interesting take on it. All right, we've got another voicemail. Hi, Mary and Reese. It's Kevin here. I heard a rumor that Rhode Island is as cold as it is in Canada right now. So you'll definitely need Blake to bake something warm for the next Baking with Blake segment. (laughs) I'm still listening along with you. And Reese, you've been super helpful since I know almost nothing about Greek mythology. But since I listened to your Percy Jackson and Harry Potter podcasts, I wanted to ask a fun question this week. If Percy, Grover, and Annabeth went to Hogwarts, what house do you think they would be sorted into? I think that the sorting hat would be stuck between Gryffindor and Hufflepuff for Percy, since he's both brave and loyal, but will ultimately choose Gryffindor. I think Grover would be a true Hufflepuff, since he's very loyal and he loves nature. And Annabeth would be a Slytherin, but she could be a Ravenclaw too. But now I want to hear what you think. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season and then diving into the books for the first time with you. Have a good day. That- oh my God. Kevin. Kevin, that was such a good question. Let's decide. Okay, so what Hogwarts house, asks Kevin, do you think the Percy Jackson trio would be sorted into, Reese? Percy, definitely Gryffindor. I like how brave he is. He is just never giving up. Mm. And he really showed that in this episode too, I agree. Kevin, I agree with you. Gryffin, like... Grover? Grover is just a true Hufflepuff. He is just so loyal no matter what. All the snacks, loving on the animals. Great loyalty. And then Annabeth. That's a good one. Slytherin? Or Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. I think I go with Ravenclaw. How come? Um, She's smart. She's intelligent. She always knows what to do. She's six steps ahead of of everyone else. That is a true Ravenclaw. I also see what Kevin's talking about in regards to the Slytherin desire for ambition. She's very ambitious. ambitious. Here she is showing her side of cunning that she actually picks pockets the god of thievery himself so kevin 
uh, I agree. We're going to keep us on our toes. Maybe in the next couple of episodes, we'll see a bit more of Annabeth and it can help us decide if we were the sorting hat, which house we'd put her in. But Reese, you thinking that you would put Annabeth in Ravenclaw because she's so wise? I mean, her nickname is Wise Girl, right? Yeah. And her mother is basically Athena, the goddess of wisdom. Mm, so I yes. definitely puts her in the Ravenclaw category. Very, very interesting. All right. We also want to give thanks to those of you who have taken your time to leave a review and rating in your podcast app of choice. Of course, the Percy Jackson Prophecy with Mary and Reese is available all over the place. But the best place to leave a written review, that's a couple of sentences in addition to the five stars, if you want to drop those in, the best place to leave a couple of sentences is actually an Apple Podcasts. And this doesn't have to be where you listen to it. But if you do want to do Reese and I a huge favor and head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave a written review for the Percy Jackson Prophecy with myself and Reese, it would mean so incredibly much. We want to thank uh, M. West Fall, who said, Love Mary and Reese. The Percy Jackson Prophecy is a great kid-friendly podcast where a longtime podcaster Mary analyzes this episode with her son Reese. They talk about major plot points. Reese provides his knowledge on Greek mythology. They also touch points on the cinematic c- cinematography of the show. As a book reader, I am having fun listening to Mary's predictions on the story since she has not read the books. Definitely recommend. Thank you so So incredibly much. much. Thank you. We really appreciate it for you and everyone else who has taken the time to leave us a review. All right, buddy. It is uh, about that time for... Well, I need my my mere mortal theory of the week, I don't know. I? Oh yeah, I can't always forget my my mere mortal mother's <laughs> Your mere theory. mortal mama. <laughs> <laughs> well, since I'm a half blood, I'm not gonna peep. Okay, all right. Well, let's let's get this rocking and rolling. And I agree with you, Reese. You have been so good about not peeping. You have not been sharing. You've not been spoiling. I know that that it must be so hard, but you've done an extraordinary job with that. And for that, I am ever so grateful. Uh, My mere mortal theory of this week is that, okay, um, we're going to see Hades next episode. So episode eight, and they are going to make it to the underworld. We're going to make the truth out. And they are going to figure out... In the next episode, who stole the lightning bolt? So I'm thinking episode eight, uh, sorry, episode seven. So this is the penultimate one that we're talking about. They'll meet Hades. They'll figure out who really stole the bolt. And uh, we're going to go from there. I don't know if we're going to meet Poseidon in the next episode. I really thought we would have met him by now. But I have a bigger feeling that we're probably going to meet Hades next episode instead of Poseidon. And I think we might meet Poseidon in the eighth. Yeah. Well, we better. Because that's the last one. If we do not get to meet Poseidon, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what, that's my mere mortal theory of the week. And now it's time to close out the show. Thank you so very much for hanging on out with us, listener. It really means the world to Reese and I to know that you take the time to go through the show and kind of geek out with us. Right, Reese? Thank you so much, listeners. And for your all sorts of good um, words to say with us, thank you so much. It's been an honor, such an honor for you looking at our podcasts and appreciating for all the hard work we do. Oh, Reese, you're so sweet. Don't forget, you your voicemail can totally be featured here on the show. Just go to maryandblake.com. You're going to click that top upper right hand right corner where it says contact and you can leave a voicemail. You can also send us an email, maryandblakemedia.com 
at gmail.com. Mary and Blake Media at gmail.com will get your email. We can even read it here on the show. So sending in that voicemail, sending in your thoughts over email, uh, no matter how, how long or short they are, it really helps the experience for Reese and I. Yes, Reese, what is it? I think it's time to close out now. <laughs> it is. This is this music was featured in this episode, right? When he was talking to the Nereid. Well, yeah. Okay, and guys, hold fast. Oh wait, no. Okay, I have to say, storm, until right? next time, right. Half Bloods. Wow, okay. <laughs> I'm Mary Larson. Let's hold fast. No, and you can say my name okay, is. <laughs> my name is Reese. <laughs> and remember, hold fast and brave the storm, guys. See there you we later. go. You did a lot of work on today's podcast, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> Great job. All right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>